0: Good morning everyone. Morning. I see how you guys are looking. No, Pastor Tanner Turley did not get shorter and chubbier. <laughs> Pastor Tanner Turley is here with us today. He's recovering from surgery. So they didn't change him into this. This is uh, My name is Carlos De uh, For those of you who don't know me, uh, I am a member of Redemption Health Church and I'm also a group leader. So I am uh, extremely honored and humbled to be able to serve this morning uh, by the exposition of the word, and I don't take this very lightly. Um, and I thank the elders for uh, trusting the gift of God in me to be able to uh, serve you guys in this capacity. Um, thankfully, we sang that song. I am no longer a slave to fear because I think we all need courage at some point in our lives. Right now, I could use a little bit of that as well. Um, but we're starting a new series today, a new series, a new day, new year, new victories. And we're going to be reading from the first book of John, first letter of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. If you're using one of the Bibles that we provide, it's going to be on page 1023 or 1023. Again, First John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. We're going to talk about new victories. Um. Today is New Year's Eve. Most of us are getting ready for the year 2018. We're reflecting on, you know, our lives and our spiritual walk and maybe some of our accomplishments in twenty seventeen, maybe even some of our failures. And we're looking forward to twenty eighteen and what most people tend to do, uh, some of you may may not, is most people tend to make resolutions. If you don't make resolutions, I'm pretty sure you have goals. Um, you know, some of them may sound something like this. I want to exercise more, right? I want to go to the gym more. I want to eat healthier. Maybe this year you want to buy a new home or your first home. Or if you're like me, you probably want to look for a better job. <laughs> um, you may want to become a more mature giver. You may, either, you may even want to build a business. These are some pretty good goals that you can set for yourself in 2018. There could be many more. And some of us may write them down. You know, and some of these goals are were personal goals of mine, either in the past or, or in, the, in the coming year. And um, sometimes we write them down. We strive to achieve those goals. But what tends to happen most of the time, at least with me, you might agree, you might relate is, We go through the year and then we have certain challenges where we either forget about these goals or these resolutions altogether or we just give up on them because it becomes too hard, whether it be a time thing, whether it be an economic thing, whether it be a mental thing, whether it be fear, but we give up on them. Here's the thing. Have we ever thought of in those resolutions And, you know, some of you who are really organized probably already do this, just jotting down some encouragements to yourself. Saying, when things get hard in this area, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Whether that be keep praying for God to provide a resolution to your resolution. You can just write down different things that maybe encourage you along the way. Many people don't do that. But what if I tell you that any resolutions you make, now I'm not really stating this, but what if I tell you that any resolutions you make for 2018, it was guaranteed for you to accomplish? What if I tell you that? Would fear get in your way? Would finances get in your way? Would any other challenges get in your way if I tell you that whatever resolution you have made for 2018 will be accomplished, I'm guaranteeing to you it would be accomplished. Would we really allow things to get in our way? Now listen, if your goal in 2018 is to be more like Jesus, that's what I'm here to tell you. Your resolution and your goals are guaranteed to be accomplished. If your goal for 2018 is to become spiritually more mature and mature and mature, those goals can be accomplished, are guaranteed to be accomplished. We're talking about new victories today. God has guaranteed us the spiritual victory in the midst of all of our battles and challenges. So, for those of you who are here for the first time, what I want to do is I want to pray that the Holy Spirit allows you to see that we are all tired at times. We are all weary, okay? I want us to understand that we are all incapable of overcoming lives life by ourselves without the help of the one who already overcame the world, okay? So if we pick up our Bibles and we read 1 John chapter 5, I'll read it in its entirety. It says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So today, our main point is going to be genuine faith in Christ will help you overcome the challenges of this world and live in victory. Guys, got that? Genuine faith in Christ will help you overcome the challenges of this world and live in victory. Now, we're finishing off this book with this last chapter, and John has been constantly refuting false teachers and their teachings about Christ. They were attacking Christ's divinity, which when you think about it means that through Christ's death and resurrection, according to them, we weren't, in, we weren't receiving a redemptive work. In other words, our sins wasn't really forgiven because if he wasn't divine, he wasn't the son of God, you know, he had no authority to die for our sins. And John quickly dispels that by saying that anyone who does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is Christ, is Antichrist, and has that Antichrist spirit. He calls that right away. And, but think about the implications of that, right? That's what the, the spirit of the Antichrist does. That's what the enemy of our souls does. He tries to create doubt in our mind that we are truly saved through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ because he wants us to live a defeated life. He wants to present opposition to us and make us fear, doubt, and quit. And he knows that if he dispels the notion that Jesus is the son of Christ, we will all continue to live in defeat. But we learned in the book of John that the devil is a liar. And John continued to teach us that God is light. He also taught us in chapter 2 that those who know God through Jesus are forgiven. Some powerful words, are forgiven. He taught us that those who love God confess their sins and live like Jesus. In other words, we don't continue to sin because sin no longer has power over us. He also taught us that we can live in confidence through Jesus Christ in chapter 2. He also taught us that he who lives in us is greater than he who lives in the world, chapter 4, which is the last chapter we looked at. So in this chapter 5 here, John expands on that a little bit. He who lives in us is greater than he who lives in the world. Okay? So let's take a quick look, because this passage here in 1 John 5 it has some key words that I, I kind of want to make sure we understand before we begin to talk about what it means. Now, in chapter 5, John talks about overcoming. He uses the word overcome a whole lot. Now, overcome in the Greek, the Greek root of this is nikau. And the meaning of this is to gain victory or prevail, and it is used in a physical sense in certain scriptures, but in these passages, it is used in a spiritual sense. Nikal. Does that word sound a little bit familiar? We have military missiles that they call the Nika missiles. Most of you wear these sneakers. We call them Nikes. This word is, the Greek root of this is prevalently used in our culture because, you know, it it talks about prevailing. It talks about gaining victory. If you put these shoes on, you're going to jump higher. If you send these missiles, I don't know, you're going to blow up something, I'm sure. But the whole idea of this is prevailing. And although we love the idea of prevailing in a physical sense, right, overcoming physical challenges, if you're going to the gym, if you're eating healthy, overcoming some physical stuff, But isn't it more powerful when we hear in this spiritual sense that we can overcome any attack, spiritual attack of the enemy, any spiritual challenges that may come our way? God is telling us that we can overcome those. John is telling us that we can overcome those. So I wanted to give you a quick idea of what that word overcome is. We also, I think, have to identify, because we read in verse 4, I believe, about overcoming the world. I think we also have to specify what this passage is talking about when it talks about the world, okay? Because this could be misinterpreted sometimes. <clears throat> now, the world here, John referred to this First 1 John 2.16. He talked about the desire of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, and the pride of life. There's some examples of what the world is. So if you notice... These are all spiritual battles as well. You know, many people could talk about the world and, you know, they could talk about maybe you can't do this, you can't do that, and all these other do's and don'ts. But when you're talking about overcoming the world in this sense, we're talking about all these spiritual battles, the the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. (coughs) Excuse me. Paul talks about them as well in Galatians 2.19 through 21, and he gives us more specific examples. He talks about sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of angers, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like these. So it's not all inclusive, but things like these. Now if we look at those that specific list, man, <clears throat> you take a really good look at that specific list, how many of these things may we be struggling with today? How many of these things we may be struggling with tomorrow? Because if you're talking about overcoming something, it gives you the impression or the idea that there's a strife, there's a battle, there's a tension. If everything was easy, there was nothing to overcome. You just live. You just walk. But the fact that we're talking about overcoming something, it, identi- it, it identifies a struggle, some sort of tension. So that means we do have some tensions that we have to manage, some some, some hard-fought battles that we... We have to stand strong against. So again, I ask, if we look at this list, how many of this? I'm not telling you to to tell me anything, but take a really good look at ourselves and think about how many of these things are we holding attention with. Sometimes I'm quick to anger. I'm fighting with that. My wife might might agree. I fight with that often. Hey, I have three kids, okay? I don't know how Tana's doing it. But, uh, yeah, it can be pretty stressful. You know, job life, home life, relationships, things get hard. And your flesh wants to kind of gain ground, and it wants to behave in certain ways that maybe are against what we're taught in the fruit of the spirits. But let me move on a little bit, because what I want to do is I want to spend some time today looking into how it is that we have overcome the world, okay? How we have become victorious over the world. How are we overcoming the world and how we can continue to overcome the world through faith in Jesus Christ? So my goal today is to encourage you to be dependent on what Jesus did, is doing, and will do with you and through you and be confident in our victory in the world. So in other words, the idea is I want to show you how we have already gained victory over the world, how we will continue to gain victory over the world, and how we are being victorious over the world even today. And my first encouragement, my first point is going to be, God has given us new victory over our past through the new birth. And if we look at First John 5.1, this is what it says. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. I'm going to stop there for a second. There's a second half to that. But everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God. There's two things we're looking at there. We're talking about believing that Jesus is Christ and being born of God. And John is talking about one has to happen before the other. If someone believes Jesus is Christ, so the faith, It's not just an empty faith. It has some context. It doesn't say those who believe in Jesus are born of God. There are many people who believe that Jesus has lived, and there's many people who believe the story of Jesus, what happened, all the miracles, but they don't truly believe the essence of what it is that we call saving faith, that Jesus is Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died and resurrected for our sins, and that we are forgiven. That is the context of that saving faith. So those who believe that Jesus is Christ has been born of God, has been, past tense. In other words, the reason those who are here who believe that Jesus is the Son of God and believe in his redemptive work and believe in what he's done for us had to have been born again in order to believe that. Think about that. Had to have a new birth before they believed that. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be able to hear that truth. Think about it. How many people have you actually talked to Christ about, and they either maybe don't understand completely, can't fathom the idea that Jesus has died for our sin? Hey, let me just be the first one to, to, to confess. Man, those are deep words, that the Son of God has died for us, and we are now justified. Some other, this God came down and took my sins and paid my penalty. Man, that is heavy. And unless you have been born of God, you can't really understand it or even trust that. So you must have been born again to even begin to believe that. And let's take a look at this real quick, what this means, born again. Theologically, we call it Regeneration. Regeneration is a behind-the-scenes act of God in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. This is often called being born again. John chapter 3, verse 3 and 8. I don't have time to read it today. just want to give you some reference of what I'm talking about. Think about what this means. This is a behind-the-scenes act of God that he imparts new spiritual life to us. You have no part to play in that. This is, this is something that God gave to you as a gift and said, I am going to give Henry a new life. I am going to impart in him a new mind. I am going to impart in you a new heart. You don't know this is going on at when it's happening. If you're looking at someone else and you're speaking the word of God to them, you don't know that this is going on. It could be going on. It's a behind-the-scenes work. And I'll give you an example of this. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27, this is what it says. A new heart I will give you. Who's I? Who's speaking here? God is speaking. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take out your flesh out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinance. Think about what that means. He is producing this work in you. He is giving you this new spirit. He is giving you he has taken away the heart of stone. Think about that visual, the heart of stone. Nothing can penetrate to it. Not word, not counsel, not knowledge. Only thing that can penetrate through that heart of stone is the spirit of God. That's why he has to give us that new spirit so that when we get that new spirit, that heart of stone can be removed and get a heart of flesh where that word of God can penetrate, where that truth of God, that Jesus is the Christ and we have been redeemed through faith in him, that reality will set in when God gives you that heart of flesh and you become a new creation. You guys getting that? You can't understand the truth of God without being born again. We play no active part in this rebirth. You didn't choose to be birthed out of your mother's womb. You can't choose to be rebirthed in the spirit. That is a gift. God chose you. Got to get that. John 1.13, it talks about we were made children of God, not birth of blood or flesh, nor human will. We can't will someone to be born again. That's why we can't stop speaking a word to people because we don't know when God is doing a work in them. Our job is not to save. Our job is to teach and preach and let God produce the work in you. He who began a good work in you is faithful enough to complete it. So it is a total work from God. God works in us and prepared our hearts and minds to receive him and respond to him in faith. The new birth must happen before we can respond to God's calling with saving faith. So God empowers us. He fills us. He causes us. I love this. He causes us to walk in his statutes because sometimes we think we're so powerful that we're just living like God because it's our will. it's, It's in our power. That's nonsense. God causes us to live like him. God empowers us to live like him. This is not from our own doing. My goodness. (laughs) And he causes us to be careful to observe his ordinances. So all things are made new. When we talk about all things are made new, God is basically telling you he will not hold your past sins against you. It's a rebirth. God is saying you've already been victorious over the world. Because no one, not the enemy, not your friends, not your mother, not your father, can hold your past pants, sits against you because you are renewed. You are a new creation. You have been justified by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we overcome our past transgression and past life through this new birth. We can be rest assured now that we no longer have to live a defeated life. Our past defeats were erased at the cross, and a new clean life was birthed birthed in you to live in victory. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Through Jesus Christ, you have already defeated the world already has defeated the world. Let's move on. Topic number two. Love demonstrated through obedience to God. God's word gives us the victory over future opposition. Let's look at chapter five again. I want to go back actually real quick. You can leave the slide where it is. The second part of verse five I love what this says. Everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. Have you ever not loved your brother or your sister, your your physical brother or your sister? Someone who's been born of the same mother and father? Someone who carries your same blood? If you love God, who rebirthed you, you love those who have been born of him as well. You may not carry the same physical blood, but you carry the same seed. Think about that. You carry the same spiritual seed, which is uncorruptible. Paul talks about it being uncorruptible. You carry the seed of God. We are brothers in the Spirit. We are brothers and sisters in the Spirit. How can I love you? How can I say I love God who I have not seen but not love the image of God that I'm looking right in front of me? Image through that uncorruptible seed. So if we are all born again, we are family from the same seed. I wanted to kind of Mention that as well. Now, verse 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God, where we love God and obey his commands. By this we know that we love the children of God, where we love God and obey his commands. This is basically telling us God's commandment is the way to properly love the children of God. Galatians 5.14 tells us, the way to do good for one another. It says, you should love your neighbor as yourself. Wasn't that God's command? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that's what it says in that verse. It says, by this we know that we love the children of God, where we love God and obey his commands. If we love God, we will obey his commands. His command, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And what this tells us is that Genuine regeneration must bring results in life. If you have been reborn, if you have been born again, the results are gonna be obvious. And listen, this is why some people think that you have saving faith first and then regeneration. Some people actually think that way because what people actually see usually are the evidence of that rebirth. They don't see the actual behind the scenes work, they see the evidence. So they naturally think, oh, he, he, he believed in Christ, and now you see the evidence. Well, uh, now you see the rebirth. No, you were rebirthed, and then you believed. And now you see the evidence of all of that. And part of that evidence is that we love our brothers, that we love. And we don't love because, just because the Bible tells us, and we want to be obedient, right? Because it, it talks about obeying his commandments. You know, it's talking about obedience, but we don't obey just because God says so. We obey because we love God and we want to please God. I'm going to give you a pretty quick story here, all right? I've been married, what, hope I get the number right, 11 years now. And, you know, when we first got married, my wife and I had an agreement. You know, we had our first child almost within a year after getting married. And, you know yeah it was, it was pretty quick, right? We didn't waste any time. but you know I began, I was working, obviously, and I think we were we had moved out here to Massachusetts. We didn't know a lot of people. Uh, we didn't have a lot of family out here, so we wasn't going to just trust anyone with, with our daughter. I'm sorry, we, we're a little bit like that. And my wife and I agreed, okay, she would be a stay-at- home mom so that she could you know you know look over our children. She can help teach them. And I'm going to tell you, Genesis is one smart cookie. She's been been really smart from very long, you know, very young. And I think part of it is, you know, the time that my wife has invested in her and teaching and all this other stuff. Well, here's my point. You know, her, her idea was to go to work after she started school, but then Nathan came along and then we had the same conversation. She would stay at home and she, was begin, she would start working when uh, Nathan got older, then Shiloh came along. You get the point, right? But um, she does a lot, needless to say. Those, those of you mothers who have kids, who have three, four, etc., even those who have one, man, it could be a lot of work. Staying at home, serving. Let's use the right word. Serving our kids. I know you don't feel like that's what you're doing half the time. Serving the kids, taking care of your housely duties, you know, paying the bills, doing whatever, cleaning the house, whatever, you know, just doing a lot. We men, myself, let me not talk about you, let me talk about me. I come home, I'm tired after a full day's work, and I sit on the couch and turn on the remote, you know, turn on the TV. You know, my wife is still going, man. My wife doesn't sit. She doesn't sit. I have to beg her to sit sometimes. She doesn't sit. She keeps going. You know, and I I, I used to be able to see how tired she was, but I, I don't know if I fully saw it, you know, and... I remember she would ask, hey, hon, do you mind doing the dishes for me today? Okay, I'll do them, and I'll go do the dishes. And she would just stop me in my tracks right away. Why did you roll your eyes? Why were you upset? I'm like, I don't understand why you're getting mad at me. I'm, I'm going to help you do the dishes. I, I don't, I, I'm not sure why you're getting upset. Her response was simply, I don't want you to help me do the dishes. I'm like, huh? She goes, I want you to want to help me do the dishes. I'm like, women are so complicated. What is she talking about? I'm getting up. I'm doing the dishes. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, listen, guys, this, this was year after year after year after year after year. Until one day, the Spirit helped me realize. She would say it was one of her talks, but I'm going to say it was the Spirit's. God helped me realize it wasn't enough to obey or to help. She wanted my love for her to produce the want to help. You see, it's not enough to be obedient to God. The the, the scripture right here in in verse 2 and 3 is telling us that our love for God produces obedience. Our love for God produces that obedience. So... This is how we get to verse 3. Verse 3 says, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. She didn't want me doing the dishes to be a burden. She wanted me to be, she wanted it to be a delight because I love her. How do you think God feels? He wants us to delight in his word. He wants us to delight in his commands. He wants us to want a fellowship. He just doesn't want us to fellowship. He wants us to want to go to group. He wants us to want to give. He wants us to want to read the Word. He wants us to want to pray. He wants us to want to be like Him. Man, one of the proudest things, and this wasn't in my notes, I'm just, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm just kind of going off here. One of the things that I love it brings me great joy is when I see my kids. And Nathan puts on my shoes. Sometimes he's walking in the house with these big old shoes on his little feet. And, you know, Or sometimes when we are coming to church, he wants to wear the same colors that I'm wearing. Or when Shiloh is wearing my wife's high heels that she can barely walk in. That fills me with pride because, you know, sometimes the way they act, I'm wondering if they really love me. <laughs> right? But when I see that, I realize they want to be just like us. They want to they do what we do. They want to act like we act. Hey, I love seeing him play, I'm going to work. And he grabs his little suitcase or whatever, or his backpack, because I wear a backpack now. I used to have a suitcase. So people started calling it a man purse. I said, okay, I'll just wear a backpack. <laughs> and he grabs his, his little backpack. He, I'm going to work. And I'm like, hey, he wants to do what I do. So first, now I have to be careful what I do around him. <laughs> but also... I understand that their love for me is producing a, 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 is producing a change enough them for them to want to be like me. And my mic just fell. That's okay. Can you guys still hear me? All right. So that's... Here we go. Is that better? So that's what I think God is looking for, that our love for him Produces us to be like him, act like him. And that's why I said if your goal is to be more like Jesus in 2018, in 2018, your victory is guaranteed, man. Because this is his will. And because this is his will, he will empower you to achieve that. So his commands are not burdensome. So we also have to have the right attitude in obedience, not just obey. Okay? Psalm 40, verse 8. This is what David used to say. Or this is what David said. I delight to do your will. Oh, my God. Your law is within my heart. Your law is within my heart. I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart. If you love God, you will love his word and you will keep it in his heart. Some of you women can relate. You know, when, when, when we were a lot more romantic, before we got married, and we used to write all these beautiful love letters, or we used to give all these nice cards and flowers and all that stuff, women tend to keep those things, the sentimental value. Our gifts were continuously appreciated and in their heart. God gave us the biggest gift of all, his word. Now if we go really deep and theological, his word was Jesus Christ incarnate. He gave us his word. And when he died, he gave us a spirit who keeps his word in our hearts. And we should be delighting in that word, just like David. I delight to do your will. Oh my God, your law is within my heart. How about Psalms 119.24? Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Or how about Psalm 119.92, if your law would not have been my delight, I would have perished in my afflictions. Oh my goodness, think about what this is saying. If your law would have not been my delight, if I wasn't in love with your word, I would have died in defeat. I would have perished in my affliction. What was our affliction? Our main affliction is sin. Sin. If it wasn't for our delight for his word that, by the way, Ezekiel tells us he causes, we would have perished in our sin. So, love demonstrated through obedience to God's word gives us the victory over future opposition. So, when challenges arise in the future, if you are loving on that word, if you are loving on, on the law, if you are loving on your brother and sister who carry the same seed, I will tell you right now, you will continue to be victorious against future opposition because love for your brother says you will not transgress against him and love for his law says you're not going to transgress against God. I'm going to do whatever my power that I can to please my wife and do those dishes anytime I can. I'm I'm, I'm not going to even wait till she asks me sometimes. Sometimes I mess up too, but... The idea is I'm going to try, and she says, yes, I'm going to try <laughs> to do it before she even asks. If we have love for the law, we're not going to transgress against God. And if we have love for our brother, we're not going to transgress against our brother. So with those two principles, we are guaranteed victory against future oppositions. All right, let's wrap this up. Third point, saving faith is the victory that overcomes the world today and forever. We're looking at 1 John 5, 4, and 5. Let's read that. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Think about that. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Anyone who has been regenerated, has been rebirthed, look what it says, has overcome the world. We could easily have put that back in that first point. Right? It was not that first point, actually. Through regeneration, we have overcome our past failures. Through regeneration, we have overcome our past challenges. But it, it goes on and it says... And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? So That's future. Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So once, once again, we're talking about the content of that faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So it's not enough to believe in Jesus. You've got to understand who Jesus is. Again, we could go back to when Jesus asked his disciple. Who do people say I am? People say you're the prophets of old and all this other stuff. Peter says, you are Jesus, the Son of God. And I love what he said. He says, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. He's talking about that regeneration. That regeneration caused Peter to say, oh, you're the Savior. You're the Son of God. That particular content right there, Jesus was focused on that content, on that content right there. Who do, I, who do you say I am? Who do you guys say Jesus are is? Who do you guys believe Jesus is? If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, man, the victory is yours, because it says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and who He said He was and who the Bible says He was, you have been guaranteed the victory to overcome the world. How does this happen? How does this happen, really? Well, let's let's take a look at a few passages first, okay? If we look at Galatians 2.20, I love the way Paul says this. Paul is probably one of my favorite writers. He goes, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Think about that. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave gave himself for me. So it is not you who lives, it's God who lives in you. goes back to that point we were making in the beginning, that he who lives in you is greater than he who lives in the world. So if God lives in you, you have that power to overcome the world. And again, I I ask, if this is true, how is it that we can still hold hostility in our hearts? If that heart that we have is a new heart. How come we have trouble loving someone who in our minds is unlovable? How come we sometimes prefer to stay home and not come to fellowship or pray or read the word? How come we still have struggles with hidden sins? How come I feel so defeated because I don't feel like I do enough for God? Have I heard that one? How come we are not more mature givers? How come we still have trouble with our tempers? How come we struggle with telling people about Jesus? There's a struggle that goes on, which is why he talks about overcoming. Jesus says, in this world you'll have trouble, but behold, I have overcome the world. There will be some struggles, some tensions that you have to that you have to kind of stand tall through. Because the reality is, if Jesus has already supplied us the victory, we don't have to fight to win the battle. We just have to do all to stand and stand firm in what God has done. That is the victory that has overcome the, the, the world. The faith that we stand that Jesus has already overcome is overcoming and will continue to overcome for us. Think about that. See, faith gives you confidence in your salvation. 2 Corinthians 2.15 says this. He destroyed all works of the devil, shamed him publicly by his victory on the cross. So we don't have to try to win a victory. The victory has already been won. Listen to this, faith is not just how we receive from God, but but also evidence that we have what God has already provided through Christ. Think about that. It's not only the way we receive from Christ, but it's evidence that we have already what we receive from Christ. Faith will say, I will not trust my own abilities, my own strength, my own wisdom, but I will depend on God. I would not be up here right now if it wasn't for God. I probably would have fainted the first words I said. Faith says, I will not trust what I see that is opposed to God's promises and truth. If God promises that we can be like Him, we can be holy, and we and our salvation has been attained through victory, then by God, I don't care what the devil tells me, I don't care what my job looks like, I don't care if my life is turning upside down, I don't care if my kids left me, my wife left me, I don't care. I don't care what I see in front of my own eyes. I stand in the truth that I have attained victory through Jesus Christ, and I know that all things work together for the good of those who love him. Faith is not going to believe what we can see by our own plain sight. I want to close with this. Let's look at Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I love that. Faith is the assurance. Assurance equals confidence. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. The convictions of things not seen. in other words, it's not a it, it, faith is not a vague hope grounded in imagination or wishful thinking. Faith settled in confidence that something in the future, something that has been promised by God will actually come to pass because God will bring it to pass. In other words, confidence says, God promised it, I know he's going to deliver. It is not a blind trust in the face of contrary evidence, not a leap in the dark. It is confidence that God says who he says he is. All-powerful, infinitely wise, trustworthy, never leave you or forsake you. These are all promises he's made. And his promises have proven to be true from generation Two generation. So if he says, This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, then we must believe that if we continue to depend on Jesus Christ, our passions are forgiven and we've obtained the victory. Our current challenges, we can overcome and remain victorious. Our future challenges, we can overcome and remain victorious. Listen, continual faith in Christ is the victory that overcomes the world. It's pretty clear in these passages. So there is a decision to be made here, folks, for this new year. If you have been born again and believe in what Jesus did for us on the cross, you must decide to depend on Jesus alone to save you and provide you the victory over the influences of the world in your life. That whole list we had in Ephesians, some of that stuff we're struggling. We must depend on God when we fight those things to provide us the the victory. But if you have not had a chance to accept Jesus' redemptive work or have accepted him as your personal Savior, but today we're at some point You've experienced that thing we talked about, that new birth, that regeneration, that new heart, where before you could even hear the word and really understand or, or, or make sense of all of this that was going on, but somehow you, you have a new clarity, a new, a new vision of what God has done. if that has happened at some point in your life, decide to give your life to him and depend on him. And I guarantee he will help you become an overcomer. Listen, there will be new spiritual challenges this year. There will be. But with continual faith in Christ, we can overcome them all. With continual faith in what God has promised us, we can overcome them all. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity, and, and we pray that your spirit has this atmosphere and has spoken to all of our hearts. And through that work that you do in us and through us, Lord, you have helped us overcome our past, our present, and our future. May us rest assured in those truths, in that power, in that conviction. Lord said that in this year 2018, we could be more like you. We could be more faithful to you. We can be more faithful in fellowship, in giving, in living like you, Lord. And I know that you promised to give us that power, Lord, and we rest in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.